Don't call it the supply chain workforce of the future. It's already here. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, editor-in-chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The radical redefinition of the workplace and employees' relationship to it has cut across all industries since COVID-19 came to call. But change is especially evident in the world of supply chain. My guest today says the working environment in that sector has changed more in the past two years than in the previous 50. He is Jason Averbook, co-founder and CEO of LeapGen, a venture dedicated to the digital transformation of HR. But the changes we're seeing today are more than a matter of automation or robots taking jobs from humans. They're redefining how employers treat their workers at a time when it's harder than ever to attract and retain talent. And it's more than a question of simply raising wages. The challenge now is to plan, build, and maintain the workforce of the future when that future is highly uncertain. Here's my conversation with Jason Averbook. Jason Averbook, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Jason, how would you describe the state of the supply chain workforce right now? Wow. So great question to start with. When you think about the state of the supply chain workforce right now, you have to look at labor markets and look at labor markets as a whole. And when you look at labor markets as a whole, there's more movement than there's ever been before. There's movement really for multiple, multiple reasons. There still are concept of post-pandemic or post-2020 set of labor issues that came from COVID, which are a combination of, hey, older people decided to leave the workforce or Mm -hmm. people aren't willing to work the same way that they used to work in the past or all the way through what I'm not working in a situation where I have a bad employee experience. So there's one component of that. There's another component that's tied to the concept of we have workers who are really looking at their workplace as no longer a, what's the best way to say this, a place that they love, but a place where I'm going to put in my 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I I know that sounds funny, but at the same time, there's been this whole concept in the workplace called quiet quitting, where quiet quitting is like, hey, guess what? This person's not willing to put in the time or put in the effort they used to. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? One of the things that we learned during COVID was life might be more important than work. So I'm willing to work my 40 hours, and that might not be enough anymore. And then we have a whole set of other issues tied to globalization and every company being global. And do I look at outside the U.S. for my workers? Do I look inside the U.S. for the workers? How do I blend that workforce together. So when you look at this, we have a melting pot of issues that's that's bigger and broader than ever before. Really started, I always say, between 1970 and 2020, things didn't change that much. Between 2020 and 2022, we experienced more change than those previous 50 years combined. 
Wow. Now, as you know, the term supply chain is extremely broad. Where do you see the shortages and the labor issues being most acute? The biggest areas where shortages come into play are the skills required not necessarily to understand how technology works, but to think about the supply chain in a digital way. And when I say digital, what I mean is I have to have a mindset that ties into, hey, guess what? Let's maybe not do things the way we used to do them in the past. I have to think about the fact that the way that people want to procure and the way that people want to buy product is different than the way it was in the past. And we realized that, guess what? All of a sudden, I'm choosing to work with vendors that truly, truly are providing me with a experience that might be different than what I've experienced in the past. So all of that being said, when we talk about supply chain, you know, what we're really looking at is, hey, how do we look at the workforce as a whole realize that people want to work differently than in the past and make decisions about how they're going to work together going forward. That's different than in the past where it used to be just based on price. Mm-hmm. Um, so digital skills, thinking differently, and really focusing on experience and the customer experience that's offered. But a worker in the supply chain can be a port worker can be a truck driver can be a person in a warehouse can oh, be totally. an off, can be a person in an office handling paper and information is any one of those particular aspects of the supply chain facing a particularly crucial moment right now in terms of just not being able to find and retain enough people it's not tied to any one area i, I wish i could tell you that it's overall tied to the concept of does that workplace care about me mhm does that workplace treat me in a way that pay, quote unquote, is somewhat equitable? And am I seen as a as a true human within the workplace? And that, by the way, and the reason that I can't answer your question with one job type or multiple job types is because this is relevant no matter what type of job you're doing. Well, I mean, one of the so-called solutions we've heard among employers these days has been to simply raise wages to make the sweeten the offer and, and like attract that person from the warehouse across the street to come over and work in your warehouse at another couple bucks of an hour. Uh, that, of course, has helped to contribute to the inflation that we're seeing now as wages and prices go up. Is that a sustainable model for dealing with the problem? No. And the reason I say no is because at the end of the day, w- once again, what people are paid is one thing. How they're treated and what how the experience they have at work is something – completely different. When you think about pay, pay is one thing, but how they're actually experienced, the experience they have at work is different. So I can keep paying people more and more, but guess what? Across the street's going to pay them more and more. Across the street's going to pay them more and more. And pay is one thing, but once again, how they're treated, how they experience, et cetera, et cetera, work is going to be a big component. And we cannot We cannot just keep raising prices. We have to rates, excuse me, which raise prices. We have to truly think about, we have to truly think about what's going to keep those people working for us beyond just giving them more money. And and by the way, you may choose to believe it or not, that there are things that people care about besides just money. 
Well, let's talk about that. Are employers waking up to the realization that they need to do something more than simply offer more money to, to do exactly what you just described? And if so, what are they doing? It's a lot of things. It's, it's First of all, it's being empathetic to the fact that a worker is a worker. You're going to say, mm-hmm. whoa, what does that mean? The fact that I'm a human outside of work, but guess what? Inside of work, I'm also a human. So maybe instead of asking me once a year how I'm doing, you need to pay attention to me to on a more frequent basis and ask me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe instead of giving me a performance review once a year, I do it on a frequent basis. Maybe instead of having me go to a website that I don't know how to navigate that says I'm having a dependent, maybe you should give me tools to use to say I'm having a baby. What are the benefits that you offer when I'm having a baby? All of those things, and that's, by the way, that is a small, 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 small list are things that I can do to make the employee feel like where I work is the best place for me right now. And it's it's much bigger than just pay. If the COVID in 2020 taught us one thing, it was that, is that people are looking for more than just pay. One of the trends of the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years has been, especially in areas like truck driving and warehousing, is that employers have become obsessed with the idea of worker productivity and ways to measure worker productivity down to the second to get the most out of those workers. That, of course, can cause a great deal of alienation in the mind of the worker if they feel like they're being treated like robots, even though they're humans. I'm wondering if employers have to kind of back off of that a little bit now and create a more warm and fuzzy attitude in the workplace to keep those people. Is that an issue? If I could just change the language. Warm and fuzzy isn't the language I would use because a lot of people (laughs) take that as way too soft. I'm just going to change the language to a culture. And it's a culture that makes sense to, once again, drive how people want to work today. It's 2022 outside of work. What year does it feel like inside of work is a really big component to keep in mind. And it's something that a lot of organizations are struggling with. So I'll say it again. There's a little of it that's tied to this concept of, hey, am I offering the right things? Am I offering the right benefits, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a bigger concept, which is I need to understand that in order to compete in the labor market today, I need to treat people truly like people. It's often said that younger generations of workers these days are more likely to job hop, to not stay in any position for as long as their previous generations might have done. Against that, let's place the need to retain workers for productivity and for continuity so you don't have to be retraining workers all the time. What can an employer do in order to hang on to a workforce that's become a lot less loyal than they used to be? I'm not sure if you're going to like my answer or not, <laughs> but it's simple. It's to make them feel important. We always talk in the HR space that people are our most important asset. If people are our most important asset, do we make them feel this way? That can be a really, well, I won't say warm and fuzzy, but that can be a really abstract kind of thing. Make them feel important. What are some ways that you can make an employee feel important other than simply upping their salary or giving them a big bonus at the end of the year? I love your questions, by the way. Thank you for asking that. One of the first biggest ones is giving them a career path, making sure that they think and they feel that where they're at is somewhere that they can work for a while. That's one. B, 
making sure that you understand that you're one of the big things that people need to realize is that the quote unquote younger people, if I could use that term, one of the things that's so important about those people is that they, they're looking to get into a belonging with other people, which means they're looking for people of similar likes. So uh-huh. why are people creating employee resource groups, ERGs? Huge topic. It's matching people that have similar interests. If I'm thinking of the LGBTQ area, if I'm thinking about a diversity area, et cetera, et cetera, when people see others like them, they feel that this is a place that I can continue to work. If they don't see that, they feel like they're not a fit. And that's another huge component as to how organizations can keep people is by making them feel that, hey, you're part of a group here and Mm -hmm. you're part of this group together. Well, tell me more about this concept of employer resource groups. These are formed by the employer itself, or are you allowing the employees to band together in these? I mean, what form do they take? The employer is starting the concept. Overall, it's made up of employees. So it's based on providing support, looking for career development, and really providing the development that people need based on the specific group. And those different, in, in organizations, those groups could be based on diversity, They could be volunteer groups. They could be professional development groups. But what they do is they allow people to feel, once again, feel like it's a huge part of them being in a place that values them. Uh And all of these things we can see as soft if you want to. But what I'm going to say really, really quickly is employees are people. They're soft. And Uh one of the things that we need to think about that's different than buying a stapler Buying a person, a person has feelings. Staplers don't have feelings. And the sooner that we can realize that the supply chain is like the people chain, and the people chain doesn't act the same as the normal supply chain does, that's when we're going to see benefits and start to see our efforts pay off. So you're saying, it sounds like you might be implying you bring in a diverse group of people into the workplace, and then you seek out points of commonality among them. And those points of commonality define these employer resource groups in some way? Correct. Once again, it's not necessarily bringing in diverse groups of people. I mean, that's one thing. We should always be looking to bring in diverse groups of people to have diversity in thought Mm -hmm. in what we do. You know, whether we're a truck driver or whatever we are, the way a truck driver that's 25 years old thinks versus a truck driver that's 55 years old thinks is going to be different. What they value is different. So understanding their persona and realizing that but being part of a group where you're actually listening to them, that is a key component. And people, by the way, I hope you do, you like to be listened to, right? <laughs> you know, I like to be listened to. I like to be heard. And that's a big, big change in work today than in the past or before I just made decisions and pushed things out to people hoping they would stick. Today people want to be heard and if they're not heard, they move. They move on. One of the things that does attract people to stay in a job is opportunities for advancement. By their very nature, I wonder if certain supply chain jobs, and I mean like let's say truck driving, let's say warehousing, do not inherently contain such opportunities or do they? I mean, if you're working in a warehouse just moving product around, do you have an opportunity for advancement there to to a so-called more fulfilling job down the line that would keep you working for that employer or not? I think what's really important to understand is that advancement doesn't necessarily mean a new job title. 
and people get confused sometimes about this. Advancement might mean I'm actually teaching someone to do something different. I'm actually teaching someone what blockchain is. Now, mm. why would I do that? Not because that person's ever going to use blockchain, but because that's something that someone's going to get value from. Or I'm teaching someone, hey, what's the value of having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset? Once again, you're going to say, I'm never going to use that. Well, guess what? You may never going to use that as a person at work, but in your life, you're going to. And that's where when you talk about advancement, it's, it's more than just career. It's, mm -hmm. As a person, do I have more skills? As a person, do I have interpersonal capabilities? As a person, do I feel that this employer is actually taking care of me different than before? Of course, up to now, we've been talking about the employees kind of calling the shots, but we also look at the application of technology in supply chain to the point where it is actually displacing some human jobs. Let's not say it's displacing all of them, but some of them. And in such cases, it's easy and glib to say, well, the solution there is to retrain the worker from a warehouse worker to somebody who programs robots or something. I wonder how realistic it is, the whole retraining thing in order to keep people whose jobs have been displaced by automation. Intentionality is the key to what you just said. So as long as I am intentionally thinking about that and planning for that, I'm not displacing people. What I'm doing is I'm giving people opportunities to do things that they haven't had the opportunity to do in the past. If you think about people, people have hands, they have heads, and they have hearts. And what I'm doing in today's world is shifting people up that chain and focusing them more on the head's work and the heart's work than on the hand's work, which is being replaced by machines. Yes, I have to retrain them, but at the same time, if I'm doing that intentionally while you're doing your job, I'm also showing you what the future of your job is going to look like. This is a, a little bit of a preach, but there's a lot of employers that run away from telling people the truth about some of these future technologies. The employers that are winning are actually being transparent and saying, guess what? Here's the future of this job, truck driver. But guess what? By coming to work for us, we're going to keep you up to speed so that you're not going to get outplaced by technology. Mm -hmm. That's a huge selling point for people from a development point of view. Do you think everything we've been talking about, about the trends of employees and, and how they kind of consider the workplace, is this a permanent change now? Might we see another shift, or are we in a almost no. hate to use the cliche new normal? But is this the way things are going to be going forward, and employers just have to adjust? Employers have to adjust. Employees have won. If this was a battle, employees have won. So I have to figure out how to change the way I think, change the way that I work, it spend on human capital, spend on development, and realize that it's not just a hey, if this person leaves, guess what I'm going to do? Replace them with someone else. It's not going to be that easy anymore. Forever going forward, I'm going to have to focus on how am I building my workforce of the future and thinking about the planning of what that looks like. Jason Averbook of LeapGen, you've given us a lot to think about in the changing world of the supply chain workforce and going into 2023. I want to thank you so much for spending the time with me. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Look forward to it. That was my conversation with Jason Averbook of LeapGen, talking about building the supply chain workforce of the future now. 
We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time.